Welcome to KJV Cafe. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen. Each episode of the cafe is dedicated to studying the Bible verse by verse from Genesis through Revelation. Your host here at the cafe is Bible teacher Clark Covington. Looks like the coffee is hot and ready, so let's get started. Amen. Glory to God. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the cafe. Good to have you here today. Thank God for another day. Amen. Man, we are going through the Bible. We're doing good. We're Genesis 1. We are about halfway through uh, the first um, chapter in Genesis 1, the first. I don't know what I was. I was going to be like the first book. No, first chapter. You know what I mean. Hey, you know what I mean. Okay. So Genesis 1, we've spoken about a lot dealing with the light. We've spoken a lot about uh, God creating day and night. Amen. We've talked a lot about how Genesis 1 helps us to understand and put in context these questions people ask often about maybe how the world looked before the flood came. And it's really fascinating to think about how the world looked, you know, because lifespans were much longer. Amen. When you look at the longest living individuals in the Bible, they were pre-flood. But there's some great charts out there I encourage you to look up. I wish I had the name of the one I saw the other day, but I don't. But there's some great charts out there that show, hey, at that time of the flood, you had a quick or short lineage back to Adam. Amen. It's incredible. Methuselah lived 969 years you know, all of these, it, that was the longest living person, but there were many uh, in this chart that were living that long. And when you live that long, you kind of overlap. And so what that is to say is that when the flood occurred and Noah and his family gets on the boat, the ark, I should say, it's not inconceivable that Noah would have a really good idea, not just because he found favor in the eyes of the Lord, but that he also would have a good idea that his dad or his dad's dad or his great grandpa would have really been in that same time as Adam and Eve or even Seth. So we have this incredible um, picture in the Bible, and, and, and we know that longer lifespans before the flood, we know that possibly there was no rain, and that's up for debate. But the fact that it's up for the debate answers the question that nobody really knows. So we know that there could be rain before the flood, but maybe not. We knew there was water, amen. We knew that uh, maybe the seasons hadn't come yet, right? And we knew that... Um, people were given plants to eat, plants to eat. And I'm not going to get on a platform about being, you know, just being a vegetarian or something, but, uh, Hey, in the Bible, you see, it was good. They had the tree and the herb yielding seed and all that stuff was good. So eating plants, as far as I can tell, uh, is a very good thing. And, and not that eating meat is a bad thing, but God's command to eat meat came after the flood, which made many think that before the flood, maybe they weren't eating meat. And it's just like in heaven, the lion will lay down with the lamb. Animals are no longer predators. They're no longer eating, uh, you know, meat, right? Uh, in heaven, we don't think, you know, because they're friendly. A child will be playing with them, you know. And so you think about this time um, of uh, heavenly time, if you will, in the Garden of Eden, however long that lasted with Adam and Eve before the fall, before sin entered the picture. We know death wasn't in the picture, we know they had everything they needed, and more than likely, they were just living off of the plants. That's just me, but we don't know for sure. God knows. 
So we have a lot of context in Genesis 1 about answering some of the questions people are curious about, and, and rightfully so. And here is another mention. This is our verse here today, Genesis 1. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I, was, I was all ready to give the verse, and then I lost it. Uh, but Genesis 1, there it is, uh, verse We'll start, you know what, we'll start here at 16. And God made two lights, two true great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser to rule the night. And he made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the, of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And here's verse 19. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Okay, and here we are going to look uh, just right when we come back from the break. We're going to spend the rest of the time here on the podcast looking at darkness and night and what the Bible has to say about it, because here we see that God separated the light from the darkness, and it's mentioned several times in Genesis 1, and we're going to tackle that as soon as we get back from the break. You're listening to KJV Cafe. We encourage you to look us up on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Now let's get back to some more in-depth Bible study. Okay, so perfect. We're looking at the darkness, right? We've talked a lot about the light, but let's look at the darkness here. What is darkness a picture of in the Bible? Evil, the world, carnality, sin, not understanding God, ignorance, the prince of this world, the devil, who's called the father of lies, amen. The deceiver, the one that came to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what we have with darkness. I'm going to give you some verses here. Colossians 1.13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, capital S-O-N. So the Lord here, God the Father, gives God the Son so that we're delivered from the power of darkness, the power of darkness. Paul shows us darkness as a picture of living in sin. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light, Romans 13, 12. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us cast off the works of darkness and the, put on the armor of light. So darkness referred to as evil works, as sin. Ephesians 5, 8, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Again, darkness referring to living sinfully, naturally, carnally in this broken world. And one more, Ephesians 5, 11, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And so we see here that darkness in one one um, kind of New Testament point of view, as Paul writes, uh, really, and actually, I just noticed all four of these verses, Colossians, Romans, and Ephesians, because uh, there's two verses out of Ephesians I mentioned, 5, 8 and 5, 11, they're all ref- referencing this idea of the sinful life. This, this, this life of living against or at odds with God. And we know the prince of this world, the devil, right, is over this darkness, right? Um, the power of the darkness, that's the bondage of sin. And so we see here that this darkness is a perversion of God's ways. And so you sometimes you might hear the devil being called a pervert. Well, why is he called a pervert? Because he changes everything that God deems good into some 
perversion or bad change. I'm trying to think of a better way to say it. And I want you to think of the idea of a perversion is not like, or a pervert, not like some, somebody that's like hiding in a bush, right? That wants to do something bad. Think about it in the truest sense of the form, right? So God said, this is good. And the pervert changes it, right? And whatever it is. And of course, a lot of people will think of marital relations, for example, and you could use that example, but you could use any kind of example. And uh, that the devil has perverted, you know, God gave us like the economy so that we would work hard, et cetera. And the the Bible calls work good, right? But then you have all kinds of perversions. You have people stealing. You have people that become workaholics. You have people that don't want to work at all. All of these things are perversions, which this darkness, this sin in our lives creates and perpetuates. And we live in a world of darkness. That's why we are to be the light. Amen. Because we live in this world of darkness. And so darkness is a very serious thing to God, I believe. That's why it's mentioned over and over again in Genesis 1, in contrast to the light, because what has a more of a contrast than light and darkness? They are two diametric polar opposites, right? They're completely different. You cannot look at something that's very bright and say, oh, that reminds me of darkness. No. And if you look at something very dark, you cannot say, oh, that looks very bright. You know, if it's nighttime out here and the clouds are out, there's no stars or anything going on, not much of the moon. It's very dark out here, right? So if someone were to walk outside and say, well, this is kind of like the light, they would be foolish, right? Yet people live every single day in sin saying that this is kind of like Christianity. This is my version of it. I'm okay with this. You know what? If I'm just going to go ahead and curse like a sailor, if I'm going to go ahead and get drunk, if I'm going to go ahead and chase after the things of this world, if I'm going to go ahead and walk in unbelief, which infuriates God, by the way, if I'm going to do that, I'll still go to church on Sunday. I'll throw a few bucks in the, in the plate. You know, I'll, I'll still tell people I'm a Christian. Hey, on Christmas, I'm going. In Easter, I'll be there. That's darkness. That's a perversion, Right? That's a perversion. I've heard it said that, that uh, look, the Satan would rather, you know, cause a church split or mess something up with the church than have somebody get drunk, you know, or do anything else. I mean, it is darkness because at least, you know, we can call drunkenness what it is, right? We can call addiction what it is, right? But oftentimes living the perversion of being this, you know, new age Christian or you know, I'm not going to use the word contemporary. I was tempted. I'm not going to do it. I was tempted. And not all contemporary churches are bad, but a lot of them, what are they doing? They're bringing that darkness. For By the way, okay, I'll just stop for a minute. They literally turn down the lights, right? They're like, okay, let's turn the lights down and let's turn that drum kit up. They turn the lights down. Like you're creating darkness. No, no, no. You don't need to do that. You don't need the, the dry fog. You don't need the drum kit. You don't need the lights. You know what you need? Jesus Christ. You need Jesus Christ. You need God's word. Let that let that word set people's heart on fire. Don't do all the extra. And you say, Brother Clark, why do they do it? I have to think, number one, it's they think that culturally it's acceptable, you know, in my so-and-so denomination or convention or whatever it is, or group, everyone seems to do it. Okay, number one, that kind of herd mentality, which almost is always a bad idea to follow the herd. We're compared to sheep. And I gave a message one time where like, I think a hundred sheep followed each other off a cliff, <laughs> but only like 15 died because they became pillows for the others, but they all follow each other off a cliff because they're all doing the same thing. 
you know, wide is, is the road to destruction. Narrow is the path, amen, to life. And few there be that find it, you know, few there be there at, right? I know I paraphrase, but you get the idea. The wide road is the destruction. And I would say also, too, it's not just culturally acceptable. It's, it's, it's financially uh, fruitful. So people do it for that reason, whatever other reason. And I know there are good, well-meaning churches that get involved in this stuff, but they have to go back to the book and realize the lights should be on. The darkness shouldn't be there. The word should be illuminated. We don't need extra theatrics. What we need is more of God's word. And by the way, we don't need a bunch of new translations that sometimes take out things like, I don't know, gender or or the word of Christ or the blood of Christ. We don't need that. We need the book. Amen. God tells us don't add to or take away from. And I, I'm not one of those that thinks, oh, well, one, this translation has to be perfect or whatever. I'm not, I'm not in that camp. I simply have seen so much fruit from that King James Bible to turn my back on it. I've seen too much fruit and I've seen a lot of different Bibles and that the fruit from the old King James, and it speaks to my heart and it warms the spirit within me. And, and, and I'm just telling you that God can do a work when we understand that darkness and light should be separated. And as long as we commingle those things, we're in trouble. Quickly here, this is also, darkness is also referred to being ignorant or blind to Christ, John 1, 5, and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. Okay, so it's also that. And for time's sake, I'll tackle one more. Darkness is used as a way for us to understand not to get yoked up with the people of this world. 2 Corinthians 6, 14, but be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness. Uh, And so that's another one there, which I wish I had time to go into. uh, But for time's sake, I'll keep it at that and just say that there's even more as we look at the depths of God's word. Man, God's word's incredibly deep. And there's so much that he wants us to know about light and darkness and being the light and separating from the darkness, not getting yoked up with the darkness. Amen. I wish I had time, but I've got to wrap it up here. Thank you for listening. We're getting through Genesis 1. God is so good. And some of these, I'm going to leave a note to tackle some of these in the next episode, just as a uh, preface to uh, the very next verse that we dive into. So tune in next time. Tune in every day. It comes on every day. So tune in every day. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. God bless and amen. Thanks for spending time with us today at the cafe. We would love to hear from you. You can email Brother Clark directly at Clark at EnduringPromise.org. See you again tomorrow, same time, same place.